1: Just like that, the final hour is here. The Wednesday edition. Hot by with Hunt and Withrow across the Outkick Network. True story. Um, arriving here at 6th of Peabody today with Hop here in Old Smoky Moonshine. I told Chad it was Thursday. Let's go Trust this Thursday. That's right. Hunting a
2: well-deserved day off on Friday. So this kind of is this Thursday. So I excused yeah. it because I said, oh,
1: it is Thursday for you. It's Wednesday for the rest of us. It's 50% off. Uh, buy one, get one 50% off at the Outkick store. The Outkick uh, playing on a new field with their store. That's right. Uh, the new OutKick store just launched, and to celebrate, we are offering a buy one, get one 50% off deal for a limited time. You can find uh, our favorite polos, t-shirts, and more, shop.outkick.com, and you score 50% off. All you've got to do is visit shop.outkick.com, add the items to your cart, and the discount is automatically applied. Chad, you want the uh, the dad hat? Yeah, they they have something that's
2: labeled a dad hat. It's it's not like a hat that says dad on it. It's a it's an yeah. actual that's the style
1: is dad. Well that would be that would be Lawan's hat, wouldn't it? Yeah, that that's Taylor his Luan's that's his dad. official brand. Yeah, yeah. I'm thinking that we've uh We we've, we've not taken don't the, worry. Uh, the word dad. Don't worry don't worry, Taylor. We have not yeah. taken your brand. We are anti dad. calling someone uh dad. Unless it's our dad. Unless it's your father. If
2: it's your dad, you can say dad. Yeah. But fans calling someone dad is it was it was just odd to us? Yeah,
1: it, it was. Teach uh, his own. Chatter the Braves in the mix for Otani. Winter meetings are going on right now in Nashville. Well, and there's this, some. This has been a major fail, and I, I've hit on this uh, weeks ago, like well, two weeks ago, that not embracing the craziness of the top free agent, period, um, for your sport and just allowing it to go on behind the scenes. And uh, if anything leaks, it's held against the club. It doesn't necessarily have to be from the club, but it should be from Major League Baseball from the perspective of let's capitalize on the drama that this, this campaign for, for Shohei Otani is. And instead, it's just a lot of rumor and it's just floated out there with very little, uh, very little detail, if any. Just assume that teams are meeting. Uh, you know, assume that uh, the uh, the Braves are are in the mix, or the Red Sox, or the Dodgers. I mean, we can tie everything together, but it's uh, considering who we follow uh, in other sports when free agency hits. This has been awful. Yeah, for the sport. it's
2: it's been uh, Shohei Otani and his camp have not done Major League Baseball any favors with this. Buster only wrote about it. I saw today. More people kind of jumping on what you've talked about for a while Hutton with this could be such a big story and a bigger deal for major league baseball but right now it's just not because of the secrecy on all sides I know Alex Anthopoulos Braves general manager was asked about it today I saw his quotes on he said I can't talk about (laughs) current free agents he said we've added Jared Kalinick from the Mariners we like what he he kind of it was a clever way of saying it he said we love where we are with our position players. Why can't you talk about current free agents? Well, I I think it's a... It's uh, not maybe tampering. A, I, I don't know. I know, he, I, said, I know I, yeah. he said, I can't talk about the situation with current free agents. But the way he phrased it was clever in that he said, and we're working on getting Alex Anthopoulos on the show also at some point. Yeah. But he said something like, we've added Jared Kalinick as a left fielder. We love where we're at with current position players. Okay. He said, we're good with our current position players. Well... Shohei Otani is probably going to be DH, and then eventually he's going to pitch and DH or play a position. But that was just a clever way of saying, yeah, we've talked to him, and we like where we are with our position players right now, but I'm not going to say anything more about Otani. This should be the most talked about story in all of sports, and we should get better updates on what's happening and be able to follow along with what's going on. But it's been kind of quiet with that. The biggest news possibly to come out of the, the winter meetings today here in Nashville uh, – by the way, we're going to have Bronson Arroyo, former Major League yeah. Baseball pitcher, who's in town to play a uh, MLB winter meetings party with his band uh, tomorrow night. But we'll have him to talk about all sorts of baseball issues. That'll be great. He'll be in studio with us tomorrow at 420 Eastern. Is the fact that Jerry Reinsdorf, the owner of the Chicago White Sox, was spotted – with Nashville Mayor Freddie O'Connell leaving his office today, there's a lot of smoke about Major League Baseball to Nashville. The White Sox, this is the first time I've heard about them or thought about them as a possibility. Well, no, it was
1: mentioned- For with, relocation. With their, with their stadium earlier, we brought this up. It, it, oh, it makes it, a ton of sense. It may have been the day you are out. I can't remember. But they, yeah. they were, it was almost like a, 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 they floated the threat- that was out there. They, then they came and said that they don't have they don't have plans to to move to Chicago move out of Chicago, right? But you want the perception that you would. Yeah, I mean, and that's, you, want look, city, that's, you want the city that would embrace it in it, Nashville's it, everyone, top of the line.
2: Everyone is asked about Nashville, talks about now. I saw a clip of Bruce Bochi being asked about it and said, Yeah, I mean, this this city's got a lot of heat right now when you look at possibilities for a franchise being added or a franchise moving. You'd hate to see a, a, a team like the White Sox that's got that long of a history in a right. city like Chicago leave, but the economics of it, of starting something new in Nashville that's one of the fastest-growing places in America that's got a lot of money here right now as well, I, I, I don't hate it. I don't hate it. I, I I From a historic standpoint, I'd rather it be the Tampa Bay Rays that move and not the Chicago White Sox, but... You can understand why White Sox ownership would be interesting. Yeah. I,
1: uh, and also just the – I think it will always be the expansion club is what they've always discussed, right?
2: Yeah. That, um, that's probably the best route to go where you're not taking someone else's club.
1: They're definitely expanding. They want two more at least.
2: And it's just – there's no other but, places. But It's, is that it's Nashville. It's, it's going to be Nashville – it's Montreal that's talked about. It's Charlotte. There's not a lot of locales We've, that's discussed. But from the, And Nashville's close to the top. If, if Vegas has their team now. Right. That was the other one. If I had to go in order, it was Vegas, then Nashville. Well, Vegas got the A's. So Nashville's next, whether it be but, expansion yeah, or relocation. I'm
1: just thinking, just based on the, finance, the, the financial impact of the league, if you've got teams right now that are taking out loans. You know? Yeah. Uh, they can't figure out their television network issues right now. Um where they're going to be and where the teams are going to reside for viewership for the audience, and I'm so going to Vegas is fine because you're just taking an organization, you're taking your ball club, and it's the same amount of clubs. Is it smart to expand right now, given the the landscape of what we're seeing in Major League Baseball?
2: Well, I, now from a city standpoint, yes, like they from, want to sign up and do it, but from an individual owner thing, no, that's the question. But, uh,
1: but also, just from the the leagues standpoint i'm saying well
2: that's the question for the owner you know if you can make it work fiscally would you want you know can you do it for the city it's a no-brainer the city's i no-bra- mean you're bringing in 81 home dates yeah with a team i'm just saying
1: from an expansion you level, want it not moving around you know
2: larson in the youtube chat um says i'm a white Sox fan who grew up in chicago and i if i owned the white Sox, i would move yesterday to nashville given their current situation in their neighborhood in the south side That and the stadium situation there, that he would move the team to a new ballpark in Nashville. It does make sense from a market and and finance perspective, but you raise a good question, Hudden. I I don't know how desirable it is for uh, some billionaire to get involved in Major League Baseball right now, given the economics of
1: it. So apparently, Chad, uh, Dave Roberts has acknowledged that they've met with Otani. Yeah. So here's what you
2: can do. This is uh, uh, someone pointed this out, and 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 I now remember this now that it's been said. GMs cannot discuss free agents. Everybody else in the organization okay. can. Managers can, players can, everyone. So Dave Roberts talking about it is allowed.
1: Well, uh, it's but, GMs but, uh, that can't talk but about. But Otani doesn't allow it. That, based on that report, he
2: doesn't want people talking about it. If, so if, if you want him, you, leaks you abide based by on, that.
1: Based on discussions on the contract, they will hold it against them. That, that organization. Yeah. So Dodgers fans are, like, losing their minds over this, that he's acknowledged that, uh, that they've met and everything. I mean, the quote, uh, it's shocking to those covering the sport that he actually, uh, from one of the beat writers, that the Dodgers have met with Otani is not a shocking revelation. That Dave Roberts answered questions about it with transparency was shocking. Yeah. Now that we is find interesting. Out, Now we find out the punishment
2: um alib says in the youtube chat nashville doesn't have the culture to support an mlb team i don't even know what that means but nashville is like every Uh, other major city in america that if the team wins they show up I, i see that in a lot of diehard baseball markets that couldn't get people to games when the team sucked and then suddenly they get a lot of people to games when the team is better now they don't have any history in baseball so you wouldn't know but in terms of culture what's vegas's sports culture What's Vegas sports culture is they get tons of tourists. Well, guess what Nashville gets? You're going to have a lot of people here at all times with tourism that's yeah. going to go to games if they're here in the summer. They're going to pick one game and go to it. You're going to have a ton of out-of-towners. You're going to have a ton of visiting fans for, for for other teams that make the trip to Nashville. I think ticket-sell-wise they'll be fine. I, I don't buy that Nashville doesn't have the, quote, culture to support a major league baseball team. I think it's like a lot of other pro sports markets. When the team's good, they show up. When they're not, they don't. There are very few places that are selling out baseball games or getting a ton of people to park at all times when their baseball team is bad in the late summer.
1: Uh, Najee Harris, uh, not bad about just saying it like it is, according to Najee Harris, a running back in, in Pittsburgh. He's, he's not even trying to, to fake enthusiasm when discussing Mitchell Trubisky at quarterback uh, and leadership abilities. Najee Harris on Mitch Trubisky's leadership. Quote, it's fine, I guess. And the follow-up question, how would you describe his style? Vocal, I guess. I mean, that's not even trying to uh, say something nice about the quarterback in a complete sentence. Maybe he's just pissed off that day. Yeah, I... Maybe he had a bad practice. I, I admire that
2: he's so no-holds-barred on this, right? I mean, it's... Uh, uh, I'm sure that the quarterbacks don't love it. Certainly the former uh, uh, offensive coordinator, Matt Canada, didn't love his his no. bluntness on all this stuff. But I, for one, like the honesty with Najee Harris. And the offense has been bad. We were asking the way in today, Hutton, from a Steelers fan, what do you think about their chances tomorrow night with Mitch Trubisky? And I think we both kind of looked at him and said, I don't know that they're any worse with Mitch Trubisky. And this is coming from a Kenny Pickett fan. I don't know that there's a yeah. sizable drop off from Kenny Pickett to Mitch Trubisky in it's this offense. It's not this year,
1: and it should be better. It
2: should be a lot better for Kenny Pickett, but it's not. So I, yeah, I think they win tomorrow, and I think they got a
1: great shot with Mitch Trubisky. Not that much worse than when they had Kenny Pickett. That'll be uh, that'll be the Steelers' eighth win if they win tomorrow, right? They're seven and five. Considering that division where it started and how bad offensively they are and were. Tomlin gets it done, man.
2: Winning culture.
1: Tomlin gets it done. It, it
2: is a to me that is one of the banner organizations for doing it a certain way, doing it at times the hard way, but the right way, and finding the right people for their organization, and just consistent winning. Are they, you know, always the very top of the NFL? No, but are they around the playoffs or in in most every year? Yep,
1: they're a factor.
2: They are a factor every a- year, and it is. One of the few places that when they draft a guy, I say, yep, that's a Pittsburgh Steeler. That, that guy makes sense for that organization. How many other NFL organizations do you say that about? That there is a certain ethos with the team. That they draft a player and say, that is that type of player. That is a Houston Texan. Or that is a Miami Dolphin. You're not saying that. But when it's the Steelers, yep. Another one that I always think about are the Ravens. Yes. They have a certain style also that when they draft someone, and the Patriots you know it's the perfect that, guy for that. Just to tie it back into tomorrow night's game. Yeah, now if they draft an offensive player that sucks, I say, oh, yeah, that's a Patriot. That's, yeah. That is a New England Patriot. That, that's a guy who's uh, way too slow in the 40-yard dash and is not going to get it done in the NFL. That's who they, that's who they target.
1: Uh, so Kyle Shanahan's not targeting uh, Dom... Uh, DeSandro anymore. He had a day to think about his comments regarding the security guy for uh, Big Philly. Dom. Big Dom. I definitely don't have any hard feelings toward Dom or anything like that, Shanahan said. Uh, I don't want anyone to go too hard on him. I think he just got caught up in a weird situation, emotional emotional situation, so no. No hard feelings towards him. I know a lot of people who know him and speak very highly of him. I just couldn't believe we lost our player because of it. Because Drake Greenlaw also was sent packing with the incident. From Sunday
2: well and all he did was it was something that he would have done in any other situation he, yeah you can't go out on the field and do it No, if someone's getting a fight on the sideline or you're at an, a team event and you know there's a scuffle breaking, up that's what a security guy does is go and puts their hand on the person they think is the aggressor and breaks them up and backs them away he did what he would normally do he just walked out on the field and did it it was close to the sideline. And he walked down the field and grabbed Dre Greenlaw. And Dre Gr- Greenlaw rightfully said, who is this guy that's touching me? And they both got tossed because of it.
1: Well, who, who was it? Um, I believe, was it for the Bills, maybe? I can't remember. Uh, they got tossed for getting into it. Or, no, it was a Packer. It was a Green Bay Packer for shoving the medical guy that was coming in to help with oh, someone right. that was down on the ground. Yeah. yeah. Um, who? Who is it? Davey?
0: Wasn't it Quay Walker?
1: It, yes, that's Quay it. Quay Walker, that's it. He's the only player... To be suspended twice in the same season. Quay Walker. Not, be, not to be confused with Clay Walker.
2: Yeah. Clay Walker had a
1: few more hits. Quay Walker hits people. That's right. Clay Walker produced some hits. And also, learning staff members on teams now. We've got Dom and now with Dom DeSandro and Connor Stallions. Like, Well, I, I
2: immediately, the day after this happened, I mean, probably not even a day, like 30 minutes after the incident, I'm on X and I'm seeing stories written up getting to know big Dom DeSandro better a, a Philly institution yeah. and a full write-up about Dom DeSandro's history he was with the organization and who he is. Recently an
1: honoree at the big brothers, big sisters gala big having Dom. his photo made with uh, Chris Long.
2: Who's more patently Italian Dom DeSandro or Tommy DeVito? Tommy DeVito. I mean, I love that big the big Dom got a standing oh, ovation well, when he a, got kicked a, out of the game from the that's Philly a good fans. Question.
1: Uh, I, I just like the fact that Tommy DeVito's got the... I mean, they're not even going back to 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 Rod Taylor. <laughs> Whose mother makes th- a better red sauce? Tommy DeVito or Dom DeSandro? No, that would be the question for me. I would say Dom's more authentic because he's not living in his mom's basement. Maybe he is,
2: though. I, that, I didn't get that part of the story. He, for all we know, he could be living with his uh-huh. parents, too.
1: <laughs> Maybe so. Uh, <laughs> just seems like someone that certainly wouldn't... Uh, be living with anyone they'd be living with them with him with dom big dom
2: well he's the big protector wherever he's living of everyone else the
1: transfer portal is crazy the number of quarterbacks and more we'll discuss that and whether or not we like where it is now compared to where we thought it was going to be
3: what's up everyone it's nick Wright, and i got something exciting to talk to you about today angie
1: I'm Mike with Hunter Withrow rolls on across the Outkick Network. Glad you're with us. If you're joining Chad in the chat on YouTube, search out Outkick. Subscribe to the channel while you're there. Outkick.com also is where you can find the show, plus uh, listening to this great radio partner. We say thank you. Chad, uh, yesterday you... uh, It was a great list of potential quarterback matchups for Week 14. Um, And it's since been a a bit updated. Uh, For instance, you know, you've got... uh, well, Zach Wilson's going to start. Well,
2: just, just going through the names of quarterbacks starting, right, Bailey yeah. Zappi, Trevor Simeon, C.J. Beathard, Gardner Minshew, Joe Flacco, Jake Browning, Aiden O'Connell, Tommy DeVito.
1: It's, a, it's really a who's who of obscure quarterbacks that will be starting this week. And, uh, you know, the Giants opting to go with DeVito and stick with him instead of Terod Taylor. Uh, Jake Browning's the AFC Offensive Player of the Week in the NFL. It's crazy. But in looking at this list from yesterday, I'm I'm thinking about the coaches and the staff that are on the hot seat and it's put up or shut up time. And they're either relying on one of these quarterbacks to lead their team or because of all of this quarterback mess in the league, they still have theirs healthy and you better win now. You better finish the five games with four games with a stretch that is going to impact the postseason. And while I'm not saying that what's going on in Buffalo means you know pink slips, I, I don't care about the schedule when I look at the quarterback play. Josh Allen needs to take over. That's the expectation of, of where they are. And if you start looking at, really the only one that comes to mind for me um, with the backup currently playing is Dennis Allen in New Orleans with Jameis Winston. He's, he's feeling the heat. Todd Bowles in Tampa. Baker's still there. Ron Rivera, hot seat. He still has Sam Howe. Robert Sala going back to Zach Wilson. And I'm going to go back to Zach Wilson in just a moment. Iberflus, Justin Fields. Belichick has had... Uh, he's had the, the 15th overall pick in Mac Jones. Now he's with Zappi. And the big one to me... Brandon Staley with the Chargers and Justin Herbert. Go win. Get into the postseason. No excuses. And he, he hasn't been able to do it. He's out. A lot of the, a lot of the coaches on the move, and I, I think and sometimes that the owners get emotional with their response. They, they're not patient. You know, um, Woody Johnson in New York with the Jets. Notoriously uh, short, short leash on coaches. Three years, peace. Peace. And that's kind of the norm now, too. But I think in many cases, Chad, just looking around the league right now, and Davies hit on it a couple of times when, when we have more than seven openings. Could there be 10? I know Schefter has pointed at that, too. I I tend to think there we might get there because of the the landscape of the league, the quarterbacks that are playing. And in many cases, they're playing for coaches right now that are going to be retained. It's about the coaches that have had their guy healthy and they haven't done anything with it. That speaks volumes, especially in this league this year with offensive play down. You can point to the backups that are playing. I point to the starters that aren't producing and the coaching staffs that are on the sideline with them. Yeah, I don't know there's anything Brandon Staley is,
2: can do at this point. I, no, I, he's, a, he's a dead man walking. Yeah, and a
1: lot of these guys are. But, but
2: Sean McDermott's me, an interesting one to me. If they don't make the playoffs, are they going to make a move there given that the guy's been very successful? in Buffalo and all, but really this year? Uh, I that, don't I mean, think so. Th- they were on the right path, and they took a dip this year, but they've got a great shot. I mean, that that's one of the teams you're referencing here, Hutton, that right. go win I- if you're the Buffalo Bills with go Josh Allen. Even with a tough schedule, go, go work your way into the AFC playoffs, and then definitely all will be fine with Sean McDermott. It doesn't feel like an organization that would make that move with him but, right now, but that is an, an interesting one on that fringe of – Those, what, seven to ten names that Adam Schefter threw out that could be gone at the end of the
1: year. And and look, the the Bills are behind the Broncos right now. The Broncos started one and five. And the Bills right now are in the ten spot. Denver at nine, Houston at eight as the first team's out. One week can change a lot. But, you know, the Bills on the road this week against Kansas City, the Chiefs coming off their loss, and the expectation that the playoffs go through Arrowhead, this is a massive game for Josh Allen. Back in KC, where you're trying to go through this gauntlet stretch at the end, I mean, so, it, forgive me, but I have higher expectations of Josh Allen than I do what I'll see from the Miami Dolphins going into the year, or what I'll see from uh, the Cincinnati Bengals with Browning at quarterback. Like, it, there should be a, a higher bar for the Buffalo Bills than what's being discussed right now. Maybe it gets back to that based on the results of what happens on Sunday. But...
2: To me, this game is it for them. He
1: should elevate that entire
2: organization. This is this is it, I, I think, for the Bills. And, and honestly, I mean, the Chiefs, lots of questions right now uh, with that team, given given the recent play, yep. especially offensively. So, I mean, huge game between those two this this Sunday.
1: Transfer portal, Chad, is crazy right now with the number, uh, just the number of quarterbacks. Yeah. And the movement, where it's just... Presume that they're not like I'm thinking of you've got a little bit of coaching movement, but you have way more quarterback movement and not just from backups who haven't had their opportunity. I think that's been my perception. It's like, oh, you're not getting the reps, you got to keep the five star backup happy. In some cases, that is true, but in other cases, it's the guy that just finished starting and he's bouncing and going to a, a, another school, more power, power to you based on the rules that are in place. But at at this point, it's just presumed that you're leaving after a year. That's nuts.
2: Yeah, it's crazy. Colin Warner asked a good question during the break, talking about some of his Notre Dame people throwing this question around. At what point will portal opening day on Monday, uh, this Monday this past week, be bigger than National Signing Day? I think we're already there. I think it's about equal parts, honestly, because it's all meshed together this time of year. Now – But National Signing Day is still going to be a big deal, and you're always going to have the flips on signing day and some crazy developments. But at this point, the hay is in the barn. When you get to the end of the season, you've got most of your guys committed, pretty locked in. There's always a few big names still left out there that have not decided, have not committed, but that's going to happen leading up to this December National Signing Day. The portal stuff is all new. So it happens so fast and furious. Brock Vandegrift, who I mentioned earlier, announces he's transferring yesterday and today he's committed to Kentucky already. I mean, these things happen fast because they've been in the works for months. Sometimes when a guy's not playing, when another team needs that position, they've been talking to some of these players for a long time. So I think we're there. Hud. I don't know. Well, if It's bigger, but I think portal opening Monday or portal Monday, whatever we want to call it, that's equal parts as big as national signing day. Now.
1: Well, then you also have, I mean, you want to discuss tampering or whatever, uh, Max Johnson just goes to uh, announce North Carolina like November 28th. Yeah, he
2: did it before it opened.
1: Yeah. Now, maybe there's some loophole there as to why he can, but the, the idea did that he no- announce
2: it, or did, I think he did announce it, though. But right? the
1: idea that he knows he's going to Carolina during the season, right? Yeah. That's definitely happened. And it's it's happening everywhere. It's well, not I, just. I,
2: made it, I mean, I don't think Brock Vandegrift, you know, just right. decided in, in Two days 12 in, hours right.
1: uh, that he's going to go to Kentucky. I think it's probably been in the works for a while. And then this is, once again, Kentucky's going down the path of rinse and repeat with the quarterback situation. They went from Levis to Leary and now Vandegrift. They got Levis for two years at least. They did. Vandegrift, I think, has two or three years
2: remaining of eligibility, so he could be a a multi-year option for them. Or just a one and
1: done. It's, It's
2: incredible to me. Like Once you get in the cycle, it's tough to pull yourself out of it. So these teams, Notre Dame is kind of going down this path now, it feels like. Once you get into that plug-and-play, we're going to go pay $1 to $2 million for a big-time transfer, bring them in, and then once you do it a second time, you're that program now. Right. So you can still recruit guys, but it's tough to get the big-time four, five-star prospect to come and play for you if the perception is you are the transfer portal one-and-done plug-and-play quarterback school, and some of these teams are now getting that that knock about them where they're not really developing quarterbacks within their program. I would still prefer to go recruit top-level high school talent at that position, have them sit for a year, maybe two, depending on the situation, and work them through your system before they start playing instead of just bringing a different guy in every year to be your quarterback. Now, some instances, you got to do it necessity breeds that. You don't have a great option, you feel like, below that. So you got to go get a guy who's got the experience and can yeah. come in and play right away. And that's the situation Kentucky's in, clearly. They didn't like what Destin Wade had to offer behind them. That They didn't like uh, what their other backup had to offer. So they went out and did it again, what they did with Devin Leary. That makes sense for certain programs.
1: What do you expect from Deion Sanders? I don't know what to expect this offseason it, it, through the portal. He's saying, you know, he's, he's defending uh, the decision to put Bama in. He's like, you can't have a playoff unless you have Bama or Georgia in the playoff. And he goes, when we expand to 12, the expectation for us is we'll be there. He's like, not, not that – Deion's saying not that uh, that's, that's the dream. He's like, that's the goal, is that Colorado will be in the playoff next year. He wasn't preaching that last, last year when he took the job. No. And now it's – I mean, he's, he's confident they're going to hit in the portal. I just don't know, based on the, 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 the buzz that's out there, if that's going to come immediately or not. Look, if, I if, would have bet that the, with the you know, going in two days, announcing where he's going to Kentucky, I would have bet that Colorado, if we were in the middle of the season right now, Chad, I would have bet that they would be one of the schools that would be announcing very fast guys that were going there. If Deion Sanders
2: has any self-doubt, he's yet to show it throughout his entire life. That, that's how he's built. He is a confident guy, and he's going to tell you about how confident he is, and he's going to tell you what he's going to do. And for the most part throughout his life and career, he's gone out and done it. Yep. So if he has, if there's any cracks in the facade, if there's any doubt about him succeeding at Colorado, and that, I'm talking about inner doubt with Deion Sanders, he's not going to show it. He's never shown it. Me watching this from the outside looking in, I have doubts now. They were 4-8 after a really good start. I thought when they're 3-0, and they're going to a bowl. I'm looking at the schedule then. I'm thinking, they're going to get to a bowl. And it fell apart this year and got really bad. And quickly, all of the holes in the roster when you completely eliminate the prior team. Granted, a bad team. But it showed. They had no offensive line. They had no defensive line. And you can't win in college football without either one of those. So, recruiting's not going great for them right now. The high school recruiting I'm talking about. they got to have it. I mean... I'm He's calling a shot. He's confident about it. They have to go transform this team again through the transfer portal. Now, I don't think they're going to strike out. They're going to get some good players in the portal. Are they going to do enough to make this a bowl team in year one in the in the Big 12? I don't know. Yeah. And I think that's success for him next year. I think it's it's elevating this team to get to 6-6. Six and six. If they can do that, I think that's a win from my perspective. Dion probably would tell you that's a failure. He probably wants to be in the college football playoff next year. I'm telling you, reality, if he can go from Pac-12 to Big 12 and go 6-6 six and six after going 4-8, and eight, I think that's success for this
1: program. Well, and he's, I mean, he's downplaying the quarterbacks and others that have left the program, too. Uh, the quote uh, is, uh, you have to understand, we've not lost anything that we desperately have to have. Now, if you say a player like Travis Hunter or Shador or this guy or that guy, then I've got a problem. And uh, i had a pop up here. I apologize. Now I'm going to address that. I'm I'm looking at the portal to see quarterbacks and key guys from certain schools where I'm like, ooh, that hurt. They weren't ready for that. Going to be attrition. You're going to lose certain players because that's just life. That is why you constantly are recruiting and improving and creating competition. He also says this, Chad. He downplays the high school recruitment because he wants guys that come in in the spring only. If you get to get there early, he says, for the the transition phase from high school to college. But he is point blank with what they're after in the portal. When you watch this play, what did you see? Oh, they just had some protection issues for Shador. Oh, if they could just get after that pass rusher. We're going to address that. We're going to address that from the transfer portal and the high school ranks. High school to me is like draft choices in the NFL. The portal is free agency. We are in the free agency phase right now. And I'm thankful that we have and will have the wherewithal to get what we need.
2: That's all fine and dandy. He needs to be in both phases, though. It's not right. just free agency. And he's it lost is, some
1: coaches too.
2: You have got to do both. Sean Lewis is gone. You know, headed to San Diego State. That, that was his offensive coordinator
1: and his offensive line coach. Yeah, he's I, now I the just, op- he's now the offensive coordinator. I, I, with I, I Lewis. buy that the guys they've lost. It's not like
2: they're irreplaceable. Whether they right. desperately wanted them, I haven't seen a name. No, and I thought, oh man, Sidor's that's a, healthy. Yeah, that's a big loss, right? The guys right. you know that are good are still there but he's got to do both it's not just we're in we're all focused on the portal now because we're in free agency mode no nope. you got to mix and match you got to get good high school players in that stick with you that you can develop while also adding and right now at Colorado certainly you're going to go heavier on portal than high school recruit yeah. but you got to be doing both at all times and i don't see him doing that i have doubts i wouldn't have said that even after the, the first game of the year when they beat TCU, it made a believer out of me and everyone else. But what I've seen since then, in one year at Colorado
1: and now this offseason, I've got doubts. Isn't it interesting that we know more about the portal and the players in it than we do, and that the free agency phase of college football, than we do the biggest free agent in Major League Baseball history Yeah, right now? I know way more about the
2: comings and goings of Cam Ward than I do Shohei Otani.
1: <laughs> it's crazy. Thankfully, college football allows us to discuss and have those that report the news on said free agency.
2: Thank God for America's new pastime.
1: Coming up, we discuss Jalen Hurts and his injury status. i am with Henning Withrow rolls on across the Outkick Network? So, Chad, David Carr has, uh, well, he has an idea that Mariota should be playing over Jalen Hurts right now. Just to get him healthy? Yeah, to maintain his health for the postseason. I think that's a horrible idea. I think it, it's a horrible idea from this angle. On you, its you-
2: face, I hate the concept of someone who can play not playing them to rest them up or heal them up for postseason. Uh, if you can play, play.
1: Well, agreed. But here, here's where... If it's
2: something where you're not... If you're 50% and you, know, you can rest up in certain situations, then yeah, do that if that
1: helps you heal. But if not, you got to play. Well, he says, clearly Jalen isn't comfortable reading through a defense in a drop-back scenario, is what uh, Carr is saying. Uh, and some would say he's not even good at it. Uh, and he says... He goes on to say, is it better for us to play Marcus Mario right now and let Jalen get fully healthy? Uh, to me, this, this rips out the, the heart, the, uh, the juice of the team. You lose a little bit of that fire that comes along with everything that the Eagles are about to me. If you try to wait until the postseason to make sure he's healthy for the postseason. You, you got to keep just grinding as long as Hertz wants to do it. He did this a year ago with the shoulder.
2: That brotherly shove played on fourth and inches with Marcus Mariota looked way different than it does with Jalen Hurts. He barely got it. And it was one I'm thinking, oh, they're going to go with the play. Let's see how Mariota does it. Uh, you quickly learn that a lot of the success of that play yep. is built on the legs of Jalen Hurts and his strength uh, when they run that play.
1: But it, it, he, Carr is advocating for Mariota to go in and let him get healthy. I'm thinking, this is a dude that wants to win MVP. You keep that guy in the lineup as long as he wants to play. Absolutely, and, I,
2: and you're also talking about a guy who only didn't win MVP because he got banged up late in the year, year
1: yep. and missed some games. That's right. So you agree, not though, like, missing that opportunity this time. I, I do. You do have to have a big picture mentality. You can protect the player from himself in the games, but you also, uh, when you're rolling like Philly with two losses, and you're coming off of a stretch of three games in 13 days, I. I beg to differ on this. I keep him in. Yeah, no, that's... Are you injured or are you hurt? That's the difference.
2: And if... Unless it's just obvious the guy
1: can't play the position because
2: he's so injured, then he's playing. Play your best players.
1: What's the monetary value of becoming the official retailer, sporting goods retailer for Notre Dame Athletics? That's a good question. That's the one thing I haven't seen. All I know is it can go a long way in helping well, here, you uh, pay players. Yeah, here would be
2: my, my thing with Dick Sporting Goods becoming the official sporting goods retailer for Notre Dame Athletics is what are the NIL opportunities that attach itself with this?
1: The other thing you can keep up with is how many jerseys you sell.
2: When will athletic departments, when they do deals like this, decide to take the money they would make in a straight-up sponsorship for the athletic department and just ask – for it to be a 50-50 split in an NIL collective or a fund or just going straight back to the athletes? Because we know that stuff happens, right? But at what point does it benefit you more to make it a big deal for NIL? For you to attract better student athletes, that's going to help you win bigger. And when you win bigger, donations go up, season ticket prices go up. Everything is helped by that.
1: And everything, the price goes up with Notre Dame all the time, the value of the brand. Yeah. You know, the TV deals that... We detailed. Now you've got the the official sporting goods retailer, Dick Sporting Goods. But like, Chad, I'm with you. It's like, at what point does the player actually just go? You can only pay so many players to start, right? At what point do the players go to back up for a a, a payout? I mean, it, right now the bidding wars. You were detailing this uh, last night with uh, me and Clay. It's like the bidding wars right now between Tennessee and Ohio State are happening behind the scenes. You know, like oh yeah. No well, it's
2: just at what point do you do you leave the card table when you're one of these schools? You're just going to keep going back and forth and getting a higher bid, and it's an auction at that point. And at some point, someone's got to blink and say it's just not worth it anymore to us to just <laughs> do this over and over. You know, for a guy we haven't seen play yet, or whatever it may be. Hey, this is the value when of it. it comes to quarterback. When it comes to Cam Ward, a name that we brought up yep. in the last segment. I don't know that the number can be, you know, if it's in the two, if it's two point two million, which has been reported as the asking price. If you're a program that makes a lot of money and you desperately need a quarterback that's very skilled and is a dual threat, then you're paying the two point two million. I think that's one you're not leaving the negotiating table over two point two million. Now, if it's a four or five star high school player that is a position in need, at what point do you back away and say we got a lot of other needs currently on the roster? We got a lot of their needs in different spots. We're not going to continue this game and just you know be the highest bidder at all times. You can't always be the highest bidder unless you're a And M maybe, but yeah. no one else can always be the highest bidder. So yeah, at some point you walk away.
1: How about this? Just the, the the importance of being independent for Notre Dame. You know, if the if you know the Florida Gators wanted to do this, it's a conference, right? And in yeah. Notre Dame's case, it's just <clears throat> them. It's the Irish. And that's it. Coming up with this, uh, the payout it'll be, it's a multi-year contract with Dick's Sporting Goods. But again, that's that's the value of staying independent instead of joining a conference.
2: Hun, we don't yet know about Shohei Otani, and we're getting no news on that. But okay. there is some baseball news okay. coming down. Uh, this coming from Jack Curry of the Yes Network. Juan Soto of the Padres has been traded to the New York Yankees. The Yankees sending over. Michael King, Drew Thorpe, Johnny Brito, Randy Vasquez, and Kyle Higashioka over to San Diego for Juan Soto. This is the start of what I think is not quite a fire cell, but a lot of cost-cutting that's going to go on in San Diego uh, with that team and them trying to go for it in recent years and it not working out at all this past season. But the Yankees get a huge
1: bat in Juan Soto, so that's going to help them big time. Well, and that's... Isn't it interesting that you get everything done, the winter meetings, in person? It's pretty cool. Instead of, oh, I say everything. You can take your time in other places. But, like, the, yeah. yeah it, well, the
2: back room stuff that happens, like in yeah, the hotel
1: suites. and Yeah, the, but, like, it, it's really the only sport where that goes down like that. Yeah. Let's all get you together. and we, Yeah, you go in with
2: a plan, knowing who you want to talk to and who you're going after, and you go go do it. I
1: like it. Monday Night Football will have two games on Monday night, kicking off at the exact same time, Chad, uh, ESPN and ABC. Uh, but the Manning cast will be covering both games simultaneously. What is the other game other than Dolphins, Titans? It's the Giants and the Packers. Packers, yeah. And that will be the you ABC game, than Green one Bay, New York.
2: bad Monday night football game? Two bad Monday night football games. That's what, that's what ESPN's banking yeah. on.
1: But, I mean, they, they, you're right. They are bad. On paper in May, when the schedule came out, it didn't look like a bad schedule for Monday night doubleheader.
2: No. I say doubleheader. You don't, it's kick, yeah,
1: simultaneous kickoff.
2: And we've seen other instances where, boy, this game looked awful when the schedule well, came and, out. And, and now it looks great. This is the reverse and of this that. Is,
1: this is what they wanted because they wanted the assurance that they would get one good game.
2: We're just coming off a week where I said, who would have thought Texans-Jags would be one of the biggest games of the weekend this past weekend coming into the season? That that was going to be a pivotal matchup in the AFC South. So now we get the flip side of that. Now it is look good yeah. on paper to start, but now terrible with these two games.
1: I'm looking at the the matchup. So we got uh, Patriots Steelers tomorrow night for Thursday night football. Uh, Packers on the road against the Giants, six and six against four and eight, and uh, you have the Titans at four and eight against the Dolphins in what could be a bloodbath of a game. They're nine and three on the season.
2: I don't think either one of those games will be very competitive. But I I could
1: be surprised. It could be a fun Manning cast, though, with two games.
0: The Manning cast wasn't initially supposed to happen for this week. They ended up adding this, I think, about roughly a month ago. So it was one of those to where they came in and they're just like, we're going to add an extra Manning cast, and we're going to do a simulcast of both games at the same time, which that's what I'm most curious to see is, do they treat it it? more like a red zone? Or is it quarter Uh, by quarter? I bet they'll do a lot of split screen. Yeah, that's
2: interesting. I, I don't know. Uh, I, I'm going to watch. I, I tell you, I, I watch that every week when I'm watching Monday Night Football. The Mannings are terrific together, and the guests they bring in now, they really streamlined it this year where the guests are typically more engaged with the game. Yeah. So it's just kind of a third analyst they have on uh, where they were you know, feeling their way through it, I think, in, in the first season. But that's a good question, Davey. I don't know if, they, if it's going to be more bounce back and forth. Or actually have one guy watching one game, the other one commenting on the other, and then kind of bouncing the, between play to play with both games
0: happening. The, the I have one, no idea. The one thing I am looking forward to is when you look at this matchup, I mean, I know Tommy DeVito's in there, but you have four young quarterbacks, three of which are supposed to be the franchise quarterbacks for their teams. So seeing how Peyton and Eli will kind of dissect like where they've been throughout the season and what they might potentially be moving forward, I, I think that's at least a good component and aspect they can dive into. Sounds like
1: Trevor Lawrence is pushing to play Sunday
2: on the yeah, road in Cleveland. I was shocked when Dr. Chow said 50-50. This was yesterday when, it, with his analysis of well, the injury and I, watching it.
1: So that's where uh, tied in uh, David Carr and what he was saying about Jalen Hurts. You've got Trevor Lawrence with a bum ankle against that pass rush in Cleveland. Is that smart? Lack of mobility?
0: Trying to hold on to that number one spot, though. Again, I go back to
2: the whole discussion with 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 Hertz. I mean, if he's good enough to go, you go. Yeah, you go with your guy and, and don't fear injury. But he is says, it the
1: smartest thing to he do? He Says he feels a lot better. Is all he said.
2: It's almost like you're playing the you know the mathematical game of we could lose this game and be fine if you're Jacksonville, right? You're looking at the rest of the schedule, say if if we know he's going to be. This is where you think long term. If dude. he's sixty percent this week, and we know he's going to be eighty-five percent next week. The mathematical probability of you, losing this game and not playing him and still being okay—is it worth the rest him up, get to eighty-five percent, and win the rest of the games or as many as possible? Because you're just you're trying to win the division, uh, is what right. you're doing right now for Jacksonville. So how does that all play?
1: And you into just him? dodged a huge bullet on the injury front with that.
0: And uh, uh, I believe Chris, it. Go ahead. I was going to say Christian Kirk's also. He's, they lost him, so he's likely out for the year. They say six surgery. to eight weeks. But, yeah, yeah. It was a. I think it was like core muscle is what he ultimately messed up. I don't know what those are, Jack. I, <laughs> I haven't seen mine in
2: years since I was about 19 years old, last time I saw a core muscle. Those injuries
0: happen more and more.
2: Um, I don't yeah. feel like this in the late groin. 80s I heard a lot about core Roin muscles. Injury. Was,
0: was growing technically a core muscle? Oblique too. Oh, I think it's
1: core. Okay. It's a core muscle. It's hard core. Yeah. <laughs> the, uh, and I, I, so I view the Hurts thing different. I do. Because MVP race, and again, there's a moxie and there's a rhythm and a, the engine, the fuel. If it's one game for Jacksonville, uh, I wouldn't want to put him, if he's that hobbled behind the offensive line that allows pressure and Cleveland knows how to get it. But it's to be determined if he's actually going to play. It'd be CJ if he, he doesn't.
2: He, um, Again, I think you're just playing a math formula. And it's all about... you got to really... This is one where you really have to trust your doctors. And if your doctors are saying, it's, it's this now, yeah. here's the risk. If it gets hit a certain way, it's going to revert back to this versus if he rests and goes through treatment for the next nine days, ten days before the next game, looking at it from now on, then it's going to be this. And then you just have to decide what's best for the remainder of the season. And if it's we need him to win this game and we're willing to take the risk, then play him. And if not, you, you don't. I, I think it's it sounds simple, but to me it all boils down to trusting your doctors and trusting what they're telling you about the risk versus how much he's actually going to heal up moving forward. Or if it's just a, hey, it's going to be a problem the rest of the way. Each week it could be a different level of problem, so it doesn't, you're not going to be hurt playing him, then you play him. Knowing one. That's just going to be an issue.
1: Yeah. Uh, international ice hockey. They're mandating the uh, the neck guards for the Olympic games.
2: This is a no brainer to me.
1: Yeah. The NHL will have that. When incident.
2: you have the the incident that that we you know no, no took place with the guy dying. Yeah. Because the skate hitting. I mean, I just think that that's to me that's a good enough reason to go ahead and say, even if it's uncomfortable, you know, you guys can wear the rubber turtleneck or whatever it is. Right. That you wear during the game. That that's we can make that happen.
1: Yeah, it was uh, Adam Johnson.
2: Seems like an easy trade-off to me,
1: for yeah, a living. I, yes, and the uh, yeah, turtleneck is a good way to describe it. And I, I've been talking with some people just uh, that work within uh, you know media for the NHL, they say players are more uh, open to the idea than not of adding more equipment. A lot of times, players want to reduce equipment. Yeah, this one would seem necessary. Speaking of that.
2: hardcore hockey players. Yes. Hardcore people. Yes. they the ones that want to remove equipment, especially hardcore. They
1: would not remove chopsticks out of their no. nose. Probably wouldn't sure.
2: know that was in there either, though.
1: Back at it tomorrow, 3 o'clock Eastern.